Welcome to Let's Talk FCA, Kroll and Mooring's podcast, bringing you the latest developments with the False Claims Act. I'm Jason Crawford, and I'm joined today by co-host Augustine Orozco and special guest Nikechi Kanu to discuss a recent FCA settlement that stands at the intersection of two evolving trends, DOJ's increasing focus on cybersecurity issues uh, as part of its civil cyber fraud initiative, and DOJ policies incentivizing corporations to voluntarily self-disclose violations of federal law. We want to start off by introducing Nikechi. Nikechi is a counsel in Kroll's government contracts practice group, where she advises government contractors on internal and government investigations arising under the FCA, with a particular focus on alleged noncompliance with cybersecurity requirements. Nikechi's FCA experience also includes procurement fraud, healthcare fraud, and defense industry fraud. Furthermore, Nikechi regularly provides guidance to clients on the applicability and requirements of cybersecurity and information security provisions from both defense and civilian agencies. Welcome to the podcast, Nikechi. Do you want to kick things off by providing our audience with an overview of DOJ's Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative? Thanks, Jason. The Department of Justice launched the Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative in October 2021. The initiative, led by the Civil Division's Commercial Litigation Branch and Fraud Sections, utilizes the False Claims Act to combat cyber threats to sensitive information and critical systems by enforcing the government's contractual cybersecurity standards. The initiative is focused on three key areas of misconduct. The first is providing deficient cybersecurity products or services. In this context, the FCA can be used to pursue instances where government contractors knowingly fail to comply with the cybersecurity standards in their government contracts. These standards might include specific measures to protect government data, restrictions on non-US citizen employees accessing systems, or prohibitions on using components from certain foreign countries. If a contractor fails to meet these standards, the government can argue that it was deprived of what was agreed to under the contract. The second is misrepresenting cybersecurity compliance. In this context, FCA liability can arise when a company knowingly misrepresents its security controls and practices during the contracting process or contract performance. Misrepresentations could influence the government contractor's selection or contract structuring process violating the FCA. The third key area of misconduct is failure to monitor and report cybersecurity incidents in accordance with contract requirements. Government contracts often require prompt reporting of such incidents, which is imperative for the agencies to respond, remediate vulnerabilities, and limit harm. A company may violate the FCA if it knowingly fails to report suspected cyber incidents promptly. Thanks, Nikechi. I think that's helpful background. You know, we've really seen the Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative uh, pick up steam in the last year and a half. In March of 2022, DOJ settled its first FCA case under the initiative. And in that case, a provider of medical solutions agreed to pay $930,000 to resolve allegations that have violated the False Claims Act by misrepresenting that it complied with contract requirements relating to the storage of medical records under its contract to provide medical services at government facilities overseas. Then, in July of 2022, Aerojet Rocketdyne agreed to pay $9 million to resolve allegations that it violated the False Claims Act by misrepresenting its compliance with cybersecurity requirements in certain federal government contracts. Notably, that settlement came right in the middle of trial. 
So, you know, it wasn't too surprising to me that the initiative took about a year to gain momentum. Uh, when I was at DOJ, you know, we often saw these task forces or initiative take about a year or two for the initiatives to really get moving internally and then for those investigations to become public. So, you know, this kind of leads us to the most recent settlement to be publicly disclosed under the Civil Cyber Fraud Initiative. And Nikechi, can you let our listeners know about the specifics of that settlement? Sure, happy to do so. So just last month on September 5th, DOJ announced a $4 million settlement with Verizon addressing allegations that the company violated the FCA because certain telecommunication services it provided to federal agencies under its GSA contract did not comply with applicable cybersecurity requirements, namely the OMB's Trusted Internet Connections Initiative. DOJ specifically alleged that Verizon's managed trusted internet protocol service, which is a service that allows federal agencies to securely connect to public internet and external networks, did not comply with three security controls in the Department of Homeland Security's TIC reference architecture document. Now, notably, one of the controls included compliance with FIPS 140-2 validated cryptography, which has historically been a security control that many government contractors find challenging to implement. Yeah, thanks for that overview, Nikechi. The Verizon settlement definitely represents the latest example of DOJ's continued focus on cybersecurity issues, a trend that we believe will only continue to escalate growing forward. What makes this resolution particularly interesting is the discussion in the settlement agreement and the DOJ press release about the various steps that Verizon took entitled the company to credit for cooperating with the government. For instance, the recitals in the settlement agreement explicitly state that Verizon received credit under DOJ's guidelines for taking disclosure, cooperation, and remediation into account in False Claims Act cases as set forth in the Justice Manual. Uh, these recitals in the settlement agreement shed some light on the sorts of steps that could be uh, the basis for credit um, in these type of circumstances. For example, with respect to disclosure, uh, the settlement recitals note that after learning of the potential issues with the implementation and maintenance of certain security controls, Verizon provided GSA's Office of Inspector General with a written self-disclosure. The company also initiated an independent investigation and compliance review of those issues and provided the OIG with multiple detailed and thorough supplemental written self-disclosures. Um, as to cooperation, the settlement recitals state that Verizon cooperated with the government's investigation of the issues uh, in several ways, including by identifying individuals responsible for the issues, disclosing facts gathered during its independent investigation, and assisting in the determination and recovery uh, of the losses um, caused by the issues. And finally, in discussing uh, remediation, the government acknowledged that Verizon had taken several prompt steps to remediate the issues, including by implementing additional security controls, putting in place a compliance program to avoid a reoccurrence of similar issues, and disciplining or replacing those employees that Verizon identified as being responsible uh, for the issues. Do you have any additional thoughts, Augustine? Yeah, thanks, Jason. I think it looks like Verizon received significant value in return for its cooperation. 
While not stated explicitly in the press release, Verizon's cooperation appears to have affected the amount of the total settlement. There's no one-size-fits-all approach to settlements of the False Claims Act, but it's not unusual for defendants to pay around two times the amount of the single damages and settlements with DOJ's civil fraud section. Any number of factors can influence that multiplier from the perceived strength of the claims and defenses, the overall value of the matter, and other factors as well. Here, the settlement agreement identified about $2.7 million as the single damages or restitution amount, and $4 million was the negotiated settlement total. This means that Verizon paid about one and a half times the single damages amount to settle the case with DOJ civil fraud. And when compared with the two times multiplier that typically applies to an FCA settlement, the credit that Verizon presumably received towards cooperation was worth about more than $1.3 million. Um, but we should note that the agreement does not provide any details as to how the restitution amount itself was calculated. So, Jason, Nakechi, what do you guys think comes next? Yeah, it's a good question. So the FCA cooperation guidelines were adopted um, as part of the Justice Manual back in 2019. Um, but to date, they've received fairly limited publicity um, from DOJ. And this stands in contrast to other DOJ components, which have frequently touted their policies uh, to incentivize voluntary self-disclosures. So it'll be interesting to watch whether the Verizon settlement will become part of a trend uh, in which DOJ will highlight the potential financial benefits for companies uh, that take steps to disclose misconduct or cooperate with the government's investigation and implement remedial measures. Uh, Nikechi, what do you think? Thanks, Jason. I definitely agree with that. And I'll also just add that this settlement is really a good reminder of DOJ's continued focus on using the FCA to enforce cybersecurity requirements as part of its civil cyber fraud initiative and of DOJ's cooperation guidelines in the face of potential FCA issues. Corporations that uncover evidence of FCA violations, including cybersecurity lapses that may implicate FCA liability, should consider whether to undertake voluntary disclosures as a measure of compliance and to obtain potentially valuable credit in resolving such matters. Well, I think that's it for this episode. We hope everyone enjoyed our discussion of DOJ's civil cyber fraud initiative and DOJ policies incentivizing corporations to voluntarily self-disclose violations of federal law. I want to thank Nikechi for sharing her thoughts and my co-host Jason for providing insightful analysis. We'll see you all next time on Let's Talk FCA. Let's Talk FCA is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. You can find more information at kroll.com slash let's talk FCA. 